Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you missed hour one, we talked about our reading through the Bible together Advent opportunity. Please join us in that if you haven't signed up already. It's okay. It's totally free. It's online. There's a daily podcast. There's downloadable um, study notes. This week, we are going to focus on hope and the substantial hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the one whom God promised and the one whom we know has come. He is coming again as well, so we await his second advent. You can sign up for all of that at MyFaithRadio.com. encourage you to do so. Um, Also, if you missed the first hour, you can always go back and listen to it as a podcast. It'll be posted later today at MyFaithRadio.com. Or why don't you go ahead and subscribe to Mornings with Carmen wherever you get your podcast. Um, It's easy easy to do, and then you won't miss an episode. And it's also super easy to share it then with somebody else. All right, one One internal, really important thing for you to know before we head into the conversations of the day and bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues that we're facing together um, in the day and age in which we live, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow is our one day, one day only Faith Radio Winter Fundraiser. That's right, one day only. So please be praying for us in advance that um, God would release the resources that are necessary to you know, bring bring together all the resources, um, prayerful and financial, that make this ministry possible. This is listener-supported radio. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you've joined us in the last few minutes, uh, days, weeks, or months, and so you don't know. This is listener-supported radio. And ordinarily, we have a winter fundraiser that lasts for a few days, but because of the generosity of listeners just like you, we're, um, we're able, we believe, to get it done in a day. So we are going to seek to get it done in a day, and that day is tomorrow. So p- please be praying um, with us in advance of this one-day winter fundraiser. Uh, if you want to give today, you can do so. Text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or always securely online at myfaithradio.com. So there's some things going on around the world that I want to bring into view and have a conversation um, with you about. We're going to talk about things um, going on in China and Iran, things going on um, between Turkey and Syria. We're going to have all of those conversations with our friend Mindy Bells as we talk in our Globetrot segment. But let me bring you up to date on what's happening today in Ukraine as winter is fast rolling in. Ukraine's national power supplier says it's back to about 80% capacity following Russia uh, Russia's strikes that have wreaked havoc on uh, Ukraine's energy grid just ahead of the winter. So I want you to think about how reliant you are on electricity, water, heat, the internet. Um, they were all almost completely knocked out and 80% now already restored in the capital of Kiev. 
Um, and so we want to be thankful for that. We want to celebrate that. We also want to recognize um, what's happening at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. The head of Ukraine's nuclear energy provider said that Russian forces appear to be preparing to leave. Um, that would be a good thing. It would also require um, not only massive cleanup and restoration, but the Zaporizhia uh, nuclear power plant has endured persistent shelling um, through the last uh, many weeks. And there's been ongoing fears of a nuclear accident. So if the Russians were to leave and the Ukrainians were able to get back in there and um, restore some order, that would be a great blessing. So I'm praying in that direction today as well. Mindy Bells is going to join us. We're going to turn our attention to what in the world is going on in the world, particularly to protest in China and Iran. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Mindy Bells is a, a global journalist with decades of experience um, around the world. She's got contacts in places that you and I will never set our feet, but uh, upon which God has certainly set his heart. And so Mindy Bells joins us uh, frequently. You can find what she's writing on her Globe Trot blog at substack.com. So Mindy Bells, B-E-L-Z dot substack.com. Mindy, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. Um, wow, there's a lot going on in the world. Um, how about we start with China, but I also want to talk about Iran and what's going on at the uh, Turkey-Syria border. But let's start in China, because mm-hmm. this, is, this is pretty radical, what's happening right now. Yeah, it's, it's striking. Um, it, you know, I, I think a couple of journalists have pointed out really clearly, every, every day there are local protests going on in China over labor issues, over health policies, these the, the zero COVID policy that's now been in effect for years. What we have not seen, though, is these protests become nationalized. And that's remarkable in a country with the kind of authoritarian government that China has. And so um, what we've seen over the weekend is that protests in Beijing have moved to Shanghai. Protests in the West have moved to the East. All the major cities, the the um Video clips that have been posted on Twitter are remarkable. Just cities full of people protesting, openly calling for uh, Xi Jinping, the president, to step down. You know, he just basically appropriated himself to another term. He's he's um, uh, taken away many rights of uh, individual rights and things like that since he's been in power. And so the the level of street anger and an outbreak is something that we really haven't seen in China before. Yeah. And so just to bring people up to speed, um, there was a deadly fire. um, And that, I think, was the trigger for the demonstrations that we're seeing um, across the country. Um, Apparently, emergency workers, I mean, at least this is the, you know, sort of the as rumor spreads, right? The, the, right. the rumor is that emergency workers did not respond or could not respond, um, and people died, including children. Um, 
and that the lockdowns um, were somehow responsible for that. The government denies that. Here was the part that I read, um, Mindy, that I said to myself, well, now here's our gospel opportunity to speak into it. Apparently, the government of China said some residents, quote, um, lacked the ability to rescue themselves. Their ability to rescue themselves was just too weak. Um, And I thought to myself, you know, people can't rescue themselves. That's the whole point of the gospel. Help has to come from the outside. And so um, just a good, good gospel reminder opportunity for us um, as well. Yeah. And in fact, these, you know, this was an apartment building that caught on fire. We've seen how um, people across China, depending on the rise of COVID cases, have been, you know, sentenced to living in their apartments and can't get out. And in some cases, the buildings actually have been locked. What's really interesting to watch here is that we have been hearing these kinds of reports for months and months, but they generally have been minority Chinese, like we think of the Uyghurs in Western China, who have said that they've been starving, you know, people in their communities have starved because of the COVID lockdown policies. Now it is the Han Chinese, the majority Chinese, who are protesting, who are calling these things out, who are affected by things like this fire. And so I I think that, um, as we know, also, um, authoritarian regimes tend to be their own undoing. And um, it's, it's not always as fast as we'd like it to be. But we are seeing this this breakdown of this incredible grip of power that the Xi Jinping regime has worked to have over the last few years. Just you can't sustain that in a country that basically should have seven time zones in it. You know, this is mm. a, a huge country with a, one of the most populated countries in the world. China's not the only place that people are protesting. The anti-regime protests in Iran um, continue. We're going to catch up on what's happening there in just a moment. Mindy Bells is here with us. You can sign up for her Globe Trot blog at mindybells.substack.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at myfaithradio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at myfaithradio.com. Continuing our conversation with Mindy Bells. Um, Mindy is uh, has decades of experience covering what's happening around the world and bringing um, the Christian witness to bear as a part of those conversations. Mindy, talk with us about your observations related to what's happening now in Iran. Well, we've had these protests in Iran that have been going on since September. And um, I, I think it's it's appropriate to just pause and just marvel at the resilience of the Iranian people who, and, you know, these have these protests have um, centered around the death of Masa Amini. Most people know that name by now. She's a young woman who was 
taken into Iranian custody and and died under very suspicious circumstances. And you saw just this incredible well of anger over this single event that has now spread to an all-out protest against the uh, Islamic regime itself. Over the weekend, one thing we haven't heard is very much from the Supreme Ayatollah, uh, Ayatollah Khamenei. He's rumored to be sick. He's quite old. Um, but he, he gave a, a speech of some, I, w- I would call it, over the weekend, where basically told um, his law enforcers that they should punish anyone caught up in, in these protests. Any terrorist should be punished was his, his word. Um, the field of battle isn't limited to a handful of rioters in the street, he said, um, but that's not to disregard these rioters. So I think that what we we may see is yet again a cycle of crackdown and um, and hundreds of people already have been jailed, have been killed in the streets. Uh, this sounds like the government is now tr- trying once again to bring it under control. And the question is, will they? Mm-hmm. Um, and then talk with us, uh, you know, also just in terms of, of the Middle East. I know it's a it's, it's a long way away, and yet it's not a long way away. Talk with us about what's happening um, on the border of Turkey and Syria. I mean, and let's just all confess that we have not been paying attention, um, and yet there's an ongoing war there that's been going on now for years. Right. And I think, you know, our focus has been on Ukraine, and rightly so. And... Um, Yet these conflicts, as as you and I have talked about before, these conflicts are related. You have the United States, you have U.S. forces actually out in force today for the first time in months in northern Syria. Um, You have Russian forces there very active and siding with the regime of President Bashar al-Assad. And then what you have in northern Syria is this very interesting situation of a sector that is occupied by... um, Kurdish and, and a Christian uh, and an Arab alliance of fighters called the YPG that, that we have supported over the years. They were crucial in the fight to rid this area of ISIS, but it continues to be a flare-up. And one of the main reasons I, I really believe there would have been a dramatic uh, peace settlement and some progress in this region um, had it not been for Turkey. Turkey has repeatedly announced its intentions to invade and occupy this territory, like up 40 miles inside the border of um, of Syria. That is something that violates its its agreements as a partner in NATO, and yet its NATO allies have basically just kind of allowed this, sort of pushed it back. That's what the U.S. is doing. But um, most recently. They have come in again and have attacked major cities, including two cities that the U.S. helped to free in dramatic battles from um, from ISIS control, Manbij and Kobani. Many of us heard about this battle of Kobani that went on for months. And now you have these scenes of Turkey over the weekend for the past week shelling Kobani and, and really trying to take it over all in the name of fighting Kurds, who they consider terrorists, but they've they've made this wholesale uh, battle in in the wake of that. So, if you want more on this particular subject, Mindy um, was recently interviewed um, by the director of the Middle East Forum's Washington Project, and I'm going to include the link to that full uh, full length interview in today's 
show notes. If you haven't read it, Mindy's also the author of They Say We Are Infidels, On the Run from ISIS with Persecuted Christians. Um, Mindy, we don't talk about ISIS very much anymore, um, but we should. We must. We definitely should because um, ISIS isn't done. We just simply, our attention moved on. Our reporters aren't there in the region anymore, so we're not seeing reports, but we continue to see attacks. Um, I was last in that region in 2019. Um, there were multiple attacks while I was there, and, and that has continued. We also have, you know, these groups tend to splinter after the last ISIS commander was killed by the United States. The group has further splintered. A group called HTS ought to be on our radar. Um, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom just did a report on how HTS has been targeting religious groups, including Christians, uh, in the regions that we're talking about in Syria. Um, so the terrorism problem continues to be big. And what I fear is that when our attention is turned away from it and when we basically stand down and, and let our guard down on these things, that's when they coalesce again. That's when they um, acquire arms, when they're able to move about freely, when they're able to uh, collect funds and they're not under threat and, and able to mount serious attacks. Again, you know, if you remember the attacks that we saw in Europe, the threats that we felt in the United States, we can be back in that place again if we aren't vigilant. HTS, uh, also known as the Organization for the Liberation of the Levant, um, traces its beginnings back to the outset of the Syrian civil war, has remained a dangerous opposition force throughout the duration of the conflict. Yeah, not on my radar at all, Mindy, um, but on the radar of others. So if you want links to that, um, they'll be included in today's show notes as well. Let's um, let's take a minute to pivot back to China. December marks mm-hmm. um, uh, an important anniversary in the life of a pastor there, um, and he's got a book coming out as well. Can you talk with us a little bit about Wang Yi? Yes, this uh, is, uh, if, if you remember back in 2018, Wang Yi, who's one of the most well-known uh, house church pastors in China, he was arrested in early December um, and then, and that precipitated a large crackdown on the whole network of churches. The church he led was called Early Rain Covenant Church. It included a school, it included a seminary, um, just a, a very going church enterprise that was nearly shut down over these arrests. Um, Wang Yi was subsequently sentenced to nine years um, in jail, and he remains in jail. One of the reason, ways that we can access this story is, is a book coming out. Uh, it's to be published December 6th called Faithful Disobedience, Writings on Church and State from a Chinese House Church Movement. This is a wonderful effort that I'll just say I've been involved in as, a, as an advisor um, from the Center for House Church Theology. And there are two, two prongs to this. They are bringing forward those writings that cannot be published in China. That would be very difficult for us to access. And yet, because of the work of other Christians in China, um, they have been smuggled out, brought out in different forms, and, and now being brought together in this book. So we'll have Wang Yi's writings, even as he's serving a prison sentence inside China, and his church inside China has been silenced. And I think the second aspect of this is that it has a powerful message for the church in the United States of what it means to be steadfast amidst incredible suffering, what it means to survive in a culture where 
all the authorities and powers that be are against you. And, and what is the message of the gospel in the midst of those kind of moments? So um, it's very exciting that we're, we're going to be able to actually, you know, hold a book and, and read Wang Yi's writings, something that, w- that wouldn't have happened apart from all the things that's happened to him. Um, yeah, and it has me thinking about other um, things that have been written in prison that we certainly hold dear. Um, the prison epistles of the New Testament, um, you know, a letter from a Birmingham exactly. jail. There there are some things written from prison um, that are, are notable for us um, in terms of our Christian heritage, and these letters are um, precious. And so thank you so much for um, for teeing this up for us. We'll be looking for that out on December the 6th. Mindy, as always, thank you so much. Great to be with you, Carmen. Likewise. That's Mindy Bells. You can find um, her on Substack. You're looking for her Globetrot blog. If you just Google Mindy Bells, B-E-L-Z, and the two words Globetrot, it'll take you right to it. Otherwise, there's going to be direct links in the show notes um, today, both at MyFaithRadio.com and wherever you download your podcast. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. What are your favorite hymns this time of year? Uh, Have you begun to, you know, load up your playlist with songs like this, O Night Divine, one of my absolute, O Holy Night, one of my absolute, absolute favorite um, hymns of this time of year. The thrill of hope, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees and Hear the angel voices, O oh, night divine, the thrill of hope. Do you find the advent of Christ thrilling, astonishing? Does your heart thrill with hope? Does your weary heart rejoice in him? Do you live in the wonder of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God? Do you fall on your knees as you see the light shine? Hear the angels singing? The reality of divinity in human flesh, specifically to save, does your heart thrill with not only the knowledge of this truth, but a relationship with him? We're going to talk with Trevin Wax about the thrill of orthodoxy. It goes way beyond just believing the right things. Our hearts should thrill with the reality of living in Christ. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says do not be afraid. Trevin Wax is back. You um, will recognize him as somebody who writes frequently on um, on issues related to the gospel and the intersection of the gospel with the realities of life today. Um, we have talked with him about other books that he has written, including The Multi-Directional Leader, Rethink Yourself. Um, this is our time. We've talked about all of those here on Mornings with Carmen. Um, Trevin joined us recently on something that he wrote at the Gospel Coalition website, 
Um, he's a former missionary to Romania, which actually figures into the conversation we're about to have. The book he joins us with to discuss today is The Thrill of Orthodoxy, Rediscovering the Adventure of Christian Faith. Trevin, welcome back. Carmen, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. So um, we might not always thrill when we walk to the faucet or the refrigerator and push the button or lift the lever and clean water comes out. But you are here to um, remind us today that that doesn't happen everywhere in the world. Um, so let's start there. Let's talk, let's talk about sort of regaining the thrill of that with, with which we have become just totally accustomed. Yeah, I, you know, I, I opened the book with that, with that story of me coming back after I had been gone for a while to Romania. I did a, I, I lived five years in Romania, and on my first trip back visiting the United States, I just remember the awe, the astonishment that I could just walk downstairs with a thermos and just push a button and clean water would come out because I had, I had lived in a village. There was no running water in the, in the, in the house that I lived in. It was, um, you know, I I basically lived in 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 some 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 places where it I, and I always had to have drinkable water with me. I had to, you know, have, find bottled water or find uh, you know still water as I could find it and be able to use it. And and it was it was just always a chore. It was always in the back of your mind, you know. And then to to discover that I could get clean water that easily, I just remember being in awe. And I think there are so many aspects of life that are like that, that we just get so accustomed to the wonders around us that, you know, that we miss sight of the beauties of creation, marvels and wonders that are clearly in front of us that we just get used to because we see them every day. And then I want to apply that spiritually to think about the, the, the beauty and the, the goodness and the, just the amazing nature of grace and the gospel and what we have in Scripture. It really is something extraordinary and and occasionally we just need someone to come and open our eyes to the wonders around us. Um yes, there were angels who announced the uh the conception of and then the birth of God who took on human flesh. And I am not sure our jaw drops at that reality like it should. No, and this is the I mean this is the time of year when we hear a lot of songs that we that we know, you know, that we hear year from to year, and a lot of even some of the you know world's greatest hymns have been written about the incarnation. And I mean, we we've really got to. This is the time where we really have got to just step back and and let the the wonder of what it is that we're actually saying thrill us again. Like I just I wanted. To, sometimes I tell people, you know. It, you know, there are billions of people around the world today who confess the name of Jesus Christ, right? I mean, if you look throughout history, there are so many people. And if you ask the question, what it is that we actually believe, and you were to try to explain it to someone, you would explain it in a way that sounds like it's just, there's nothing intuitive about the message, right? We believe that God came in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, who was a Messiah-type figure in a backwater province of the Roman Empire back in the first century, and he, you know, he ran afoul of the cultural and governmental authorities at the time and wound up getting himself crucified. And yet his disciples three days later said that he was raised from the dead, made appearances, preached the kingdom of God, then ascended into heaven, and is now the king of the universe and requires everybody to submit to his lordship. Uh, and that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Now, if you were to just explain that to someone on an elevator, 
there's nothing intuitive about that message. And yet <laughs> you and me and, 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 you know, billions of people around the world all look at that message and say, yes, that is the meaning of life. That is the significance. That's what the, the meaning of the universe is, uh, is all to be glory and praise given to this king. So, you know, this is the time of year when I think we've got an opportunity to, to really revel in the details of what it is that we say we believe when we talk about Jesus Christ coming and being God with us. All right, and I love your, um, uh, your encouraging us to consider the creeds or the confessional statements. I mean, when you asked me, what do you believe, I, I might just absolutely produce for you the Apostles' Creed. I mean, like me, I'm going to say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he he sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he's going to come again to judge the living and the dead. I mean, and you are going to look at me if you are a person in the world today, and you're going to be like, she's a loon bag. Like, first of all, what is she even talking about? And yet other Christians are going to hear those things, and because we literally do that by rote, as I just did— um, we we are no longer thrilled and astonished by each one of those absolutely foundational Christian beliefs. Yes, I just want people to recognize the strangeness, but the power yeah. of that strange message. And when we talk about orthodoxy, and when you talk about you know the Apostles' Creed, you know that originated as a baptismal formula. That's what people were saying as they walked into the baptismal waters. They were asked to confess their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's and it's a Trinitarian confession. That, and, and that's really what I want to get us back to. We're living in a time when there is so much going on around the world. There are so, there, the, the earth seems to be shaking in so many different ways, politically, culturally, uh, you know, theologically in some circles. I mean, there's just so much that is, it's just easy to be confused. It's, it's easy to lose your sense of, of, of uh, perspective on what are the most foundational, the most important things. And, and what I want to do with this book is point us back to say, look, when everything around you seems to be fading and falling or, or seems to be in flux, why don't we dig down to the bedrock of the faith? Because that has been delivered to us for 2,000 years, and it's going to be what lasts. A hundred years from now, Christians will be saying those same words, affirming just like you just did. They will be saying, they will be confessing the same faith in Jesus that we are confessing today. So, Let's dig down to the bedrock of the faith, to those things that we know are stable and, un, and, and unchanging, because that's where we can, that, that's where we can uh, uh, find our balance. That's where we can, can wind up finding something that is sturdy and is not just going to, 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 to blow with the cultural winds or to, to move along with different fads and fashions as they come and go. All right. If you are um, a person who you absolutely, you know, love to tell the old, old story— um, and you believe, let's say, uh, the truths of the Apostles' Creed, but maybe you no longer thrill over that orthodoxy. Or maybe you're saying to yourself, wow, I'm thrilled by many things, but maybe orthodoxy is not one of them. This is, uh, this is the book for you, The Thrill of Orthodoxy, Rediscovering the Adventure of Christian Faith. Uh, maybe you're somebody who really does want to reach the next generation Um, and thrill them with the orthodoxy of the Christian faith. Again, this is a great resource. And yes, we do have copies to give away. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. 
844. We're going to continue our conversation with Trevin Wax about the thrill of orthodoxy in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, did you hear the news recently? There are now 8 billion people in the world. My name's Carmen LaBerge. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Here at Faith Radio, we are telling the whole world about Jesus and helping believers live out their faith every day. If you'd like to help us do that, you're still needed. Your financial support changes lives. You can make a difference with your gift right now at MyFaithRadio.com. Help us reach the world for Jesus Christ. The Thrill of Orthodoxy, Rediscovering the Adventure of Christian Faith. Trevin Wax is here. We're continuing our conversation on this topic. Um, And yes, we're giving books away. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter that drawing. Let's talk about orthodoxy, um, Trevin. It kind of sounds old and boring. Um, It's not. It's a great adventure, and it has a connection not just to what we believe, but how we live. Can you, you know, can you knit all that together for us? Sure. You know, orthodoxy is one of those words that you generally don't think of thrilling. You think of it like a, a, a <laughs> theology textbook, right? But, um, you know, there are some of, the, some of the writers that I have most appreciated, people like C.S. Lewis and Dorothy Sayers and G.K. Chesterton and others. They have wanted to show how this, this, this orthodoxy, this, this truth that has been delivered to us, sound doctrine, um, it's really been a wild ride. If you look out over history and you think about how it would be so easy for Christians to fall into one error or another, to fall into this trap or that trap. And the fact that it has come down to us as it has, and we we recognize it and we want to pass it on to the next generation, that in itself is an adventure. And so I, you know, that's one of the things that I want to do with the book is to, to help people understand that the, the doctrines, some of them that we take for granted, uh, have, have been contested and controversial at certain times throughout church history as the, as Christians have have sought to really wrestle with what does it mean for us to confess our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. When Jesus asks Peter in the disciples, who do you say that I am? Christian theology is an answer to that question. That's what we're answering. We are giving him the best answer that we can, and we're seeking to represent him faithfully according to what we see in the Scriptures, and uh, and and we're we're seeking to be uh, to to do so in a way that that shows our unity and our commonality with all Christians everywhere. Uh, so yeah, that's that's I think one of the things that that we got to keep in mind with orthodoxy is that just the development of what it means to be orthodox, to be faithful to the scriptures, is itself an adventure. And and yes, it does lead to us in the way we live too. You know, we hear a lot of people today say, you know, I just we just need deeds and not creeds. You know, mm. we just need to we just need to love God. And uh, let's just be Jesus for our neighbors. And that's our mission, you know. And, and I just, I want to say, okay, well, that sounds really good, but then you've got to ask the, the question, okay, what does it mean to be Jesus for our neighbors? Like, what parts of Jesus's life are we called to imitate? What parts are, not, are we not even able to imitate? You know, like, we've got to ask questions about what does it mean? Who is the God we are called to love? You know, what, what, uh, what do we believe about this God we are called to love? You know, if people just say, well, we just need to, to share the gospel and don't worry about theology. Okay, well, what is the gospel that we are called to share? What, you, you, you really can't get away from the question of theology. Um, and the Bible doesn't let you ask the theological questions without getting away from the, the questions of how you live as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Peter talks about the gospel as something we obey, 
even. So I just I think that this this unfortunate setup between deeds and creeds often leads us astray, and the Bible would have us hold those together, insists that we hold those together. So that's that connection between orthodoxy and what um, some might call orthopraxy, or like how you put it into practice. Um, you talk about how, you know, right beliefs are only a part of this. Um, there is uh, there is righteous living um, in, in how we walk out our faith. Um, I want to talk about something that you key in on, um, and, and that is that, you know, I, it's not that we just want to know the right things or even believe the right things. I mean, Satan does that, right? He he knows and believes the right things. He then just literally like says to hell with God, like, right? He he does not respond in faith. He doesn't know Jesus. I mean, it's one thing to know a lot about Jesus or know all of the right things or even be able to parrot a creedal statement. It's another thing for Jesus to turn to us and say, oh, I know you. Like, oh yeah, this is one of mine. Can you talk about that because I think that's you know that that's where you lead us in this conversation. Yeah, because I mean, what you're saying there is absolutely right. There's always the danger that we would divorce our knowledge from our actions. You know, I'm I'm working on a I'll be speaking at Liberty University in the early part of next year, and I'm working on a sermon on uh, James one, which you know is is very much the end of James one is talking about us putting into action what it is that we say we believe. And then you've got James 2 saying faith without works is dead. So there is a sense in which um, you, can, you can use theology as a mask for lovelessness and, mm. and think that you are justified by having all the right points of doctrine exactly articulated. That is not what the Bible teaches. It simply is not. Um, Of course, we don't want to jump to the other side to say, well, all that matters is that we love people and that theology doesn't really matter. No, without theology, you'll wind up filling the concept of love with just a sentimental, worldly understanding of what love is. You've got to have Scripture and theology in order to know what it means to love, how love is defined by Scripture, not by the world. So again, this, this, this unfortunate dichotomy that happens where people want to to insist on one without the other. It's just something that the, 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 the Christian tradition over the years has said no to. No to. We, we must have uh, orthodoxy, the foundational beliefs, what it is we say we confess, and then we are called to live according to those beliefs, to live out the, the implications of those beliefs in ways that demonstrate and display the beauty and power of what it is that we believe. Um, without action, all of those words, they just they just appear to to uh, um, they they lose a lot of their of of their power because they they're not being actually fleshed out. You're not seeing them on display in the the Christian community as we seek to 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 not just say we believe in Jesus, but to live according to the teachings of Jesus. I love I love your language there, right? I'm going to flesh out the incarnation. The incarnation is the is the orthodox belief, right? fleshing it out is actually incarnational. Like, right, there's, there's a connection between what I believe and how I live. It, it is my beliefs in, in action. Trevin, um, talk with us, um, uh, because I, I like this part too, where you're really, I, I think one of the things that you're doing is encouraging Christians um, to have a higher level of confidence that not only what God has said is true, but that it's enduring. And um, even if everybody around me doesn't get that, it it doesn't make it any less true. Like, can you talk about the enduring nature of this and um, 
and your encouragement to Christians to rest in the knowledge that what God has said is true and what God's people have believed over time is true, and we don't have to be anxious about that. Yes, I am concerned about this in the church today. When I talk to a lot of different believers and a lot of different Christians, because the cultural winds are so strong, on some, in particular on some areas, like the exclusivity of Jesus Christ for salvation, that He is the only way to God, for example, or the, what, what Jesus actually says about eternal judgment, uh, or, or what the church has always confessed to be true about marriage and sexuality, things like that, that, what it means to be human, male and female. There are so many areas where the cultural winds are blowing so strong right now that my concern is that a lot of Christians have lost their confidence in the goodness and the beauty of what it is that we say we believe. And I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about this because once you lose that confidence and you just become perpetually unsettled with your confession of faith, um, it's one thing to it's one thing to have questions and doubts and at times to wrestle with things. I think that's good. I think that's part of the life of faith. But you don't want to live in that state forever. And I, I don't think we're going to be really attractive to the world uh, if when we when we call people to faith in Christ, we basically say, "Please come follow us as we follow Jesus, and you can be as unsettled as we are with His teachings." You know that at the end of the day, I just don't think that's like a you know, a winning message to, to, I think something, I think we need something of a cheerful confidence in the, the goodness and the beauty of the Christian faith. And this goes back to that word that you mentioned, enduring. Uh, it is something that has endured. And the reason we need the church around the world, and the reason mm-hmm. we need to look back at the church throughout history, is so that we can recognize that there is power in this message, that this is the message that continues to change and transform lives, that you can you can take your stand here. You can be confident, not in, a, in an ugly and mean-spirited way or anything like that. You're not, you're, what I like to say is we're not digging down. Uh, we're not digging in. We're digging down to the bedrock of our faith. We're not digging in. We're just standing, standing where Christians mm-hmm. have always stood, and we want, where we believe Christians will be standing 100 years from now. Regaining your confidence in that will help you find more of the joy in confessing the truths of Christianity. If you want some help doing that, The Thrill of Orthodoxy, Rediscovering the Adventure of Christian Faith. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can also find Trevin Wax online. There's tons of YouTube videos of him teaching on this topic. Um, And you can also find him. He writes frequently at the Gospel Coalition. Trevin, as always, thank you so much for being with us. Carmen, great to be with you. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Good reminder from um, one of our friends online, Jude. Verse 3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Let's be people who contend today for the faith once delivered to the saints. Thank you for being among the saints, and thank you for joining me here today. Tomorrow is going to be our Faith Radio One Day Winter Fundraiser. Um, so thank you in advance for your prayers in um, in anticipation of that event. If you want to give today, you can do so by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or online at MyFaithRadio.com. 
Com. Thank you to each and every one of you who already participate in the Faith Radio Giving family. You literally make this happen. So thank you so much. Um, if you're just joining us, this is listener-supported media. And so we need you. We need you to come off the sidelines and into the giving community. More on that tomorrow in our one-day winter fundraiser. We're going to encourage you to let your light shine through Faith Radio. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.